All right. So, welcome to uh, this course entitled How to Understand the Bible. How to Understand the Bible. And I can't think of anything that's more important <clears throat> to understand than the Bible. The good Lord wants every one of us to be a Bible student. And the Bible is not, was not written by God over 1,500 years. He didn't put 1,500 years of effort into writing the Bible you have in your hand. Using 40 different authors on three different continents and three different languages, God didn't spend 1,500 years on this project to give us a book nobody could understand. Uh, what would the sense of that be? And notice this in many other verses, but just to start this lesson, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay, it doesn't say all Scripture is given by inspiration of God so nobody can understand it. But rather that you could understand it so well, you would know what doctrine is, what reproof is, what correction is, what instruction and in righteousness is, that you could be perfect, that is, complete and mature. That's why it was written. So it must be able to be understood. And so this course is called How to Understand the Bible. These lessons are going to last six weeks. We will not get to like any real technical stuff till probably weeks five and six, but I want to encourage you to attend all. And now on the other side, on the flip side, if you'll turn back to Deuteronomy 29, 29, you'll see that at the top of your notes. On the flip side, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, the secret things... Belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. Basically it's saying here nobody understands the Bible completely. Uh, there are secret things and, and I have intentionally, especially when I was a young preacher, intentionally talked to men who were in their 70s and 80s, who were still in the ministry about the Bible. And I heard this uh, repetition, like a, a, what we'd say in the old days, a broken record, where they would say over and over and over again, at that age, in their 60s, 70s, 80s, they would almost lament and say something like this, I have barely scratched the surface of what is in the Bible. After studying it all my life. And so I call it an inexhaustible book. You can study it all of your life. And boy, if you ever get to where you think you know it all, man, the devil has been playing with your head. Um, and you need to rebuke him and get back into the Word because we can learn as long as we stay babes. Uh, he reveals these things unto babes. As long as we stay humble, if you stay humble in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, the Lord can still be giving you information right until you die. So let us accept by faith that the Bible can be understood 
But then there are secret things that belong unto the Lord. And uh, you got to have that balance uh, about the Bible. Now, today's lesson, lesson number one of six, is called the organization of the Bible. These lessons are designed to help all believers, those that have just been saved and are babes in Christ, those that have been in the Lord for a long time, and, and some of this will be the milk of the word and, and mixed some of it will be the meat of the word as we go along. But, but uh, tonight we want to speak on lesson number one, the organization of the Bible. Understanding the organizational, uh, organization of the Bible will help you understand the Bible. And I hope we'll see that by the time we get to the end. The organization of the Bible. How is our Bible organized? First of all, what does the word Bible mean? That's our first point tonight, our first question. What does the Bible mean? What does the word, B-I-B-L-E, mean? The word means a library. It means a library. That's what the word Bible means. There are 66 books bound up in the Bible, and they are divided into two major groups. But that's what the word Bible means. When we say open up your Bible, we're saying open up your library. Your library. Some of you may have studied Spanish in high school or something like that. I tried. (laughs) Didn't do very good. But I got a lot of these 65 circles, which I thought were unique. Uh, on my report card. <laughs> but um, if, if somebody said something like vamos a la biblioteca to you in Spanish, uh, you would know vamos or let's all go to the library. Biblioteca, biblia, Bible. Uh, they, they would be saying let's go to the library. And if you can picture your local library that will help you to understand the Bible, as we'll see in a few uh, illustrations tonight. All right, so the word Bible means library. There are 66 books bound up into one volume that is called the Bible or the library. Now, these are divided into two major groups. I hope you have a sheet before you at this time with the books of the Bible. Do you have one of those? It's... It's like a coloring sheet. It looks like something we give to kids, okay? We'll get the ushers to pass that out real quick to everybody. And our kids use this downstairs. And it shows you the two major divisions of the Bible. And they are the Old Testament. No, the the white one here, Brother Rick. We need the white one. Brother Rick Vespa. We need the white one here. Yeah, if a bunch of you guys could help them, that'd be great. Get these out real quick. And we'll do the white one first, and then we'll go to the color one here in just a few minutes. All right? Very good. Yeah, just start giving those out real fast. And uh, many of you know this, but some of you don't, and so we're putting this in front of you here, and you can go home and color it uh, when you get home. But it shows you the two major divisions of the Bible. They are the Old Testament... And they are the New Testament. The Old Testament is the front part of your Bible, and it contains 39 books. The New Testament is the back part of your Bible, and that contains 27 books. And uh, 
approximately three quarters of your Bible is the Old Testament, okay? Approximately three quarters of your Bible is the Old Testament. One quarter of your Bible towards the back is the New Testament. The dividing line is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we call the New Testament from the words of the New Testament, which says, this is the New Testament, which is in my blood. The Old Testament mainly talks about the uh, formation of the nation of Israel and all of its laws and all of its prophets, although there is a lot of instructions in the Old Testament about uh, Gentile and history of Gentile nations. The New Testament deals with the life of Jesus Christ and his apostles and the churches that they planted and so on. And now the men are going to, in just a moment, go ahead and start distributing the colored sheet. But uh, for now, I'd like you to say with me the books of the Old Testament. If you need to look at your sheet while we say them out loud, this is a good practice to be able to know all of the books. It will help you to understand the Bible if you can say all of the books by memory, if possible. If not, there is an index in the, bit, in the front few pages of your Bible that have all of these books listed. And it's okay to use the index, but it's better to have it memorized, and I'll try to illustrate why in just a moment. Let's try the Old Testament books. Ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. Malachi, Malachi, the Italian prophet, Malachi. So those are the 39 books of the Old Testament, okay? Now the New Testament has 27 books. Let's try to say those out loud together if you know them from memory or if you have to read them, let's say the New Testament books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 2nd John, Jude, and Revelation. Somebody's a little bit ahead, but that's good. All right, very good. Now, here's why it's important to memorize those and work on it, because sometimes... Somebody may say, while you're listening to preaching or teaching, turn to the book of Hosea. You might have no idea where Hosea is. You can look it up in the index. That'll take you a while. Or you can just jump in somewhere around the middle of the Bible and just say, let's see, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. There it is. And that will help you. Or you can open your Bible and maybe you're not quite there yet. I opened to Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. 
And you will be able to find that book a lot faster than having to look in your index. That's okay. But I remember learning those by memory when I was a boy and teenager and vacation Bible school contests. And they've stuck with me all of these years. And it has always helped me to understand the Bible to understand all of the books of the Bible. And just like you learned the alphabet one time in your life by repeating it over and over and over and over again, so you can understand and say and recite the books of the Bible too. So there's a sheet that will help you. Say them once a day or whatever until you know them all by memory. Now back to our notes here. Still under number one at the bottom, the books are arranged by subject not chronologically. The books are arranged by subject, not chronologically. Take this colored sheet now, and let's look at the, chronolo- uh, the uh, subject divisions of the Bible. It's just like going into your local library. When you go into your local library, they do not put the oldest book over here, and then the second oldest here, and the third oldest here, and the fourth, and the fifth, so on and so forth. No, your library is set up in sections, I think. (laughs) I haven't been there in a while, but if you went in and said, where are the books on fiction? They would say, oh, those are over here. Uh, Where are the books on history? They'll say, oh, that subject's over here, down these rows. And uh, where are the books on science? Oh, those are over here. And all the subject of science is uh, in this section. And the Bible is a library, and it is also arranged the same way by subjects, not by chronological order. So sometimes that will be a struggle putting, connecting the dots, and you'll, like going back to Hosea, and you'll be reading some of his prophecies, and then you'll find out that he prophesied during the days of these kings which is way earlier in the Bible. Now, they do have a chronological Bible out there, I think, by Reese, or I forgot who, who did it. By, I used to have one and gave it away. But um, it is by subject. Now, this is the arrangement. So picture your Bible. Your Bible, the word Bible, means a library. It's divided two major divisions, Old Testament and New Testament. Those are divided by books, which are organized by subject. So at the top, we have the organization of the Old Testament books, top left. We see the first five books of the Old Testament are the law. The law, they're called Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These were all written by Moses. Of course, he spoke as he was moved by the Holy Ghost, as we'll see as these lessons go on. The Jews call it the Pentateuch, penta meaning five, and uh, they call it the Pentateuch. Following the law, there are a whole bunch of history books, and they are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. These are history books mostly dealing with Israel or the divided kingdom of Israel and uh, Judah, and the history of Jerusalem, as well as a whole bunch of history on different prophets, 
different kings of Israel, different kings of Judah, and uh, just, just basically the history of the formation of the country of uh, Israel. But, uh, of course, Joshua being the first, leading them into the promised land and then dividing up the land. And, and from then there, they wanted to have a king. And First Samuel tells us about their first king, uh, who was Saul, and their second one, who was David, and the third, who was Rehoboam. And then, then uh, second king, the whole thing falls apart under Rehoboam, and they divide up and, and, and the history. Uh, of, of mostly Israel, although there is Gentile history and Gentile kings interspersed in that too. Now this might seem strange, but when you get to the book of Job, and that's how you pronounce that, J-O-B, Job, uh, these five books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon are poetry. Now they don't seem to be like poetry to us because we read English. But if you and I could read Hebrew... And we can, I don't think, but if you can read Hebrew, you would know you were reading poetry when it comes to the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. I find a little humor in that because Job is considered to be amongst the oldest writings in in human history. And uh, the evolutionists believe man was around for 100 million years, and and they they have this, this, this word that's just a lie every time they use it called prehistoric. There's no such thing as prehistoric. Uh, all the history of this earth's in the Bible. But Job being probably the first writings was extremely difficult poetry. So for the evolutionists, there's a problem. He goes from not knowing how to speak a single word to directly going into extremely complex Hebrew poetry. Um, But if you and I could read poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon would be poetry. But again, not as it's translated into English. Now we go on. So we see the, the subjects. It's like if you went to a library and said, where's the law books? Where's the history books? Where's the poetry books? This is where they are. That'll help you to understand the Bible. And then we come up with prophecy, and that's the rest of the Old Testament. Now notice on this chart, they have four what are called major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Usually most lists shift the next book, Daniel, over to them. It doesn't matter. But uh, sometimes Daniel is called a major prophet. And then the minor prophets on this chart is Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Now, these are called the minor prophets. Now, one of the reasons I'm teaching this is because I struggled with this a little bit until it was explained to me. My first impression when I heard that these books were the major prophets and these others were the minor prophets is that these books were more important than these books. These were major in their importance and these were just kind of minor in their importance. That was my, until I was taught. But when I was taught, it helped me to understand the Bible, which is our subject. And all major means is that basically they're larger books. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Jeremiah has 52. Uh, Ezekiel has uh, 48 chapters. Now, Lamentations is small, but it is an addendum 
to the book of Jeremiah. He writes the book of Jeremiah, and in Lamentations, this is an addendum to that book, <coughs> it's five more chapters. Daniel's about 12 chapters long, so sometimes they include Daniel over into the major prophets. That just means they're bigger. That's all it means. It doesn't mean they're more important. Now, maybe you knew that. I didn't. And then somebody explained it to me, and it's said, oh, okay. The other books are just as important. They're just as much the word of God, but they're called the minor prophets because many of them are very, very small. And we'll get to the chapter divisions here in just a moment. But for example, Obadiah only has one chapter in it. And so that's your minor. Now that's the organization by subject matter of the Old Testament. Now let's look at the New Testament. And we'll see that the New Testament is also like a library organized by subjects. The first four are called the Gospels. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These in particular focus on the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the history of his birth, a little bit on his childhood, his ministry, his preaching, his teaching his miracles, his prophecies, and then ultimately his death on Calvary's cross, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Following the history of Christ, which is about 33 years, comes the history books of the New Testament, which is the book of Acts. That covers about 37 years of history, maybe 40 years of history, of the church Jesus left, which was called eventually the church at Jerusalem. And then from there went out the church at Antioch and then the churches of Judea and Samaria and, and uh, Galilee. And then pretty soon uh, Antioch sends out the first missionaries. And uh, the, the Bible records this history in the book of Acts. And it's been said that pretty much the first part of the book focuses on Peter. The last half focuses on Paul. The first half deals with local missions, church planning. The second half on uh, foreign missions as they go off into Europe and Asia and Africa. So that's Acts. Now comes Paul's epistles. That's another word I did not understand. They used to talk about the epistles when I was saved and young in the Lord. And I said, no idea. And finally said the word, somebody said the word epistles means letters. It means letters. And that was a lot simpler for me. And so sometimes people say, well, turn to the Paul's epistle of the Ephesians. And, and maybe a new convert's like, what, what did he just say? Uh, but the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and there was a town called Ephesus, and the people were called Ephesians, and he wrote a letter to them. So those books are Romans, and, and they, they start with a Gentile, a very general Gentile book called Romans, and it ends uh, probably with Hebrews, if, if Paul wrote that. But his epistles include 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And those are broken down into that order because Romans is general, 1st Corinthians through 2nd Thessalonians are to specific churches, and then at the end are 
books, letters written to specific men, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And so those are Paul's epistles. Now, the next subject matter of the New Testament is the general epistles. The general epistles. We do not know who wrote Hebrews. May have been Paul. He, he, he was the Hebrew of the Hebrews. But, of course, James, the Lord's half-brother, writes an epistle. First and second, Peter, he writes those two epistles. John, who wrote the Gospel of John, now writes three small books called 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then there's Jude, another half-brother of the Lord Jesus. And these are called the general epistles. And uh, the reason being is they're just written to the body of Christ in general, not to some specific church or individual. And so they're written to us. Now, now we can gather anything by the Holy Spirit from all 66 books. But those are called the general. And then the Bible and the New Testament ends up uh, with the subject of prophecy in the New Testament. There's a lot of prophecy scattered throughout the New Testament. But especially the greatest book in all the Bible on prophecy would be the book of Revelation. 22 chapters long of prophecy. So that concludes question number one on our notes tonight. What does the word Bible mean? And so we've looked at the arrangement of the Bible by subject, not chronologically. And so I hope you understand that. Now we go number two, and these, these three will go faster. The division of the books into chapters. So you got this number one library. It's divided into two major um, groups, Old Testament and New Testament, Those are divided into 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Now each of the books is divided into chapters. Into chapters. A few of the books in the Bible are so small that they are only one chapter long. In the Old Testament, it's Obadiah. In the New Testament, it's 2nd and 3rd John and Jude. Those are just one chapter long. Those are short books. All the others have at least three chapters, and the most is Psalms, which has 150 chapters. But it wasn't always written that way. In the original Hebrew and Greek, it was written in their language in paragraphs. Paragraphs. So where do we get the division of the books into chapters? These divisions of a book into chapters was the work of a bishop named Stephen Langton in London during his ministry, which spanned from 1207 to 1228 A.D., or the 13th century, Stephen Langton. The Wycliffe Bible was the first whole Bible to be printed with Langton's chapter divisions, in 1382 A.D. And so this Stephen Langton certainly did us a big favor in going through the Bible and dividing it into the chapters that we know of, I think, 1,189 chapters uh, in your Bible. And uh, he, he divided them where he thought, and, and we've, we've pretty much followed his divisions. So that's where you get the divisions of the books 
into chapters. Like I said earlier, Isaiah has 66 chapters, Jeremiah 52 chapters, Ezekiel 59 or 48 chapters, and Daniel has 12, and Hosea has 14, and you get to you get to know those how many chapters. Praise the Lord for the chapters. Number three, the next division of the Bible came in the division of chapters into verses. Chapters into verses. The Hebrew Old Testament chapters were divided down into smaller verses by a Jewish rabbi by the name of Nathan. That's all we know about him. And he did this in 1448 A.D. I don't know if he was a born-again believer or not, but he loved the Old Testament uh, scriptures. He he saw that uh, two and a half centuries before uh, he was around, they had been divided into chapters, and now he divides them into verses. Chapters of the New Testament were divided down into verses by Robert Estienne. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He's also known as Stephanus because Estienne means Stephen's in English. And so he is also known as Stephanus. And in 1555, he did to the New Testament what Nathan did to the Old Testament chapters and that is he added verses. He added verses. Stephanus used Nathan's Old Testament verses and added them to his New Testament verse divisions to complete the whole Bible, beginning with the Geneva Bible in 1560. That was the first Bible ever that had both chapter and verse divisions. And that was about 50, 51 years before our King James Bible. And almost all Bibles since that time have followed uh, the work of Stephen Langton in his chapters and Stephanus and Nathan in the division of their verses. Now, for this, we ought to praise the Lord. Because, uh, I mean, if we were here tonight, I'll just, I'll just give you an example. And let's say we had no chapters and we had no verses, and I uh, said to you uh, something like, um, hey, uh, turn in your Bible uh, to where it says, uh, but the Lord is my defense. And can you imagine the church? And uh, we've all got Bibles, Old Testament, New Testament, no chapters, no divisions, And I say, all right, now you all open up to where it says, but the Lord is our defense. Well, we'd all be looking at each other. and Maybe somebody would shout it out by luck or something. Hey, I found it. Okay, well, where is it? Well, it's in this paragraph in this book. And and so go to to Psalms and then turn about two-thirds the way through Psalms and start looking around the middle of the page. Can you imagine that? Or imagine how much easier it is to say, uh, turn to Psalm 94, 22. And then he's, well, we're blessed. It, the body of Christ did not always have that advantage that we have, and that helps us to understand the Bible. So it's turned to Psalm 94 and verse number 22, and, and uh, Psalm is the name of the book. The next number, 94, is the name of the chapter. The next number, 22, is the name of the verse. 
And so I look that up, and I read, But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. And it is so easy for us today. And it wasn't like this until the 16th century. And uh, so it, it really helps us uh, to understand the, uh, the Word of God. And so our subject is how to understand the Bible. This will help you understand the Bible in its organization. That's lesson one tonight, its organization. Let's close this now. Something else has been added to our Bible. This was about 120 years ago, and that is the red letters. The red letters. Thank the Lord for the red letters. Um, Many Bibles today contain red letters, mostly in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Revelation. And then a few spots in 1 Corinthians and also in, in the book of Acts. There's a few spots where uh, the words are in red. Now, if you want to find out if you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, here's the easiest way. There are a few chapters, five of them, in the Bible that are 100% red letters. 100%. Every letter in the chapter is red. Those five chapters are Matthew 6, Matthew 25... John 15, and Revelation 2 and 3. 100% of the letters in those five chapters are read. So if you're ever trying to say, do I have a red-letter edition of the Bible? Just open right now to Matthew 6. And if it's all read, you have a red-letter edition. If not, you, you, you don't. But uh, it's good to have a red-letter edition of the Bible. Now, the red letters are the words of Christ. Those are the words of Christ that will help you understand the Bible when you see the words of Christ. They were highlighted in red by Louis Klopsch, I guess. K-L-O-P-S-C-H, Klopsch. He was a journalist and a publisher who emigrated to New York from Prussia. Now, he didn't know he emigrated because his parents came over when he was one year old. And then he would live the rest of his life in uh, New York. And I was told by a couple of reliable sources, I don't know if this is true, that some of his time was spent in Tonawanda. But he would live his whole life in New York State. And so I like to say anything positive about New York that I can whenever I, whenever I get the chance because <laughs> there's not a lot positive these days. But Now, his inspiration for the red letters came from Luke 22 and verse 20 of his own um, testimony. He was reading one day in the Bible where it says this. Now, again, Luke is the name of the book. The first number, 22, is the name of the chapter in the book. The last number, 20, is the name of the verse, the number of the verse in the chapter. Verse 20 says, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And he he equated blood, he equated red, with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he chose red. And uh, he said, I think all the letters of Christ should be in in red letters. 
And so, that was his inspiration as he pondered uh, the blood of, of Christ. He had then become the editor of the Christian Herald, a very famous Christian magazine, when he conceived the idea of a red-letter version of the New Testament in 1899. He shared the idea with his mentor, Pastor T. DeWitt Talmadge. Have some of you heard of his name? T. DeWitt Talmadge, very famous Presbyterian preacher, who had very successful ministries in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York. And uh, when he was here, uh, I, I believe he led Lewis Klopsch to the Lord, and then he began to use his talents as a printer for the Lord with the Christian Herald magazine, and then to write the New Testament red letter uh, edition. And both uh, T. DeWitt Talmadge, the, the great Presbyterian preacher, and Lewis Klopsch are both buried here in New York. It's very important to know that. No, I just, I just want to say anything good we can about New York. And so 1899, he, he went up to his mentor and asked him about the idea of a red-letter New Testament, to which uh, Talmadge replied, it could do no harm, and it certainly would do much good. Now, the reason I share these things in this lesson tonight is because I've given out a lot of Bibles in my life. Some of you have too. And we live in a day, honestly, when people don't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And they don't know what chapters are and verses are. And I can remember one, uh, one preacher who became a great evangelist, and, and he said he was so lost for a while because this guy kept giving him, he was unsaved and he worked with this guy, and this guy kept writing out weird things to him, and he'd give it, and he'd look at it and say, Heb 927. And he said, I don't know what that means, Heb 927. And he'd give him something else the next day. And, well, he, later on he learned Heb is abbreviation for Hebrews. Nine is the ninth chapter in Hebrews. Twenty-seven is the verse. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. But that guy had no clue. He, hadn't, he was absolutely clueless, even though he became a famous evangelist who really learned the Bible. So we got to start somewhere. And uh, please don't, don't, when you're mentoring somebody or you're giving somebody a Bible, I always do this. I said, this is the old, I don't even ask them anymore. I said, this is the Old Testament. The first part of the Bible, about three quarters of it, deals with Israel and the law. And there's a lot of great stuff in it. It's the word of God. The last one quarter is the New Testament. And then I'll go to the book of John and I'll say, the Bible is a library. And you don't, you don't go into a library and say, uh, I'll start with the first book on the shelf and read that. Uh, no, you go to the library looking for a specific book, and I will take the ribbon that they usually comes in a Bible or, or a track or something, and I'll put it in the Gospel of John. That's what I do. I don't know what you do, but that's what I do. And I say, start reading here. Uh, this is one of the most basic books about Christ, about his deity, about his love. Almost every chapter he is dealing with an individual, and it shows how much he loves individuals like you and I. The word believes used 99 times in that book, more than any book 
And, and the subject of eternal life comes up in that book more than any other book. And so I want them to start with John. And, 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 uh, and, and like when you go to a library, if somebody says, boy, I'm looking for information on such and such, the librarian doesn't say, well, start at the first book there and just, just keep reading them all, and eventually you'll come to what you need. Uh, no, the librarian doesn't say that. The, the librarian says, oh, I think this book right here will help you understand about Michelangelo or whatever. And uh, we should do the same thing. And uh, we should say, you know, I think this is the first book you should start with. And then read it again. And then maybe all the Gospels. Then all the way through the New Testament. And then eventually you want to read through all the Bible and, and uh, help them. And so this is lesson number one, uh, the organization of the Bible. And uh, I hope tonight that... Maybe you know these things already. Maybe you've learned something. But uh, we're all at different stages in our growth with the Lord. But if you'll understand this library and how it's organized and how it's broken down, two major divisions, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, 39 books. New Testament, 27 books. Each book divided into chapters. Each chapter divided into verses. And it'll help you uh, look up things. And then the red letters being the the uh, uh, words of Christ. Uh, we had a very successful businessman. I think he worked with Xerox. He came to church. And uh, I believe Brother Frank got to lead him to the Lord and gave him a Schofield Reference Bible. He was 72, extremely brilliant executive, extremely successful. He came by to see our printing equipment or something. Came by about a month later. He said, Pastor Cole, can I ask you a question? And I say, yes, sir, what's up? He says, that Bible that you gave me, what are those red letters in it? Now, this was an extremely educated 72-year-old chief in, the, in Xerox, okay? He had no clue what the red letters are. So let us understand the organization of the Bible and teach it to others. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for Bible study tonight. Thank you, Lord that you've given us a book you want us to understand. And thank you that under your care, it has been written by 40 authors over 1,500 years, and I believe you gave us divisions, the Old Testament, New Testament, 66 books, chapters, verses, that we can locate things in, red letters. And Lord, I pray these truths, uh, this mechanical stuff tonight will help us Understand your word, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.